Welcome back to another episode of B-Hall Radio. This is episode 53. I'm your host, Brian Rowan, and we got a special co-host tonight. We got Phil Simpson on board uh, for this episode with former head coach of the Army Wrestling Program, Chuck Barbie. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Hey, Brian. Hey, Phil. Good to see you guys again. It's been a long time. <laughs> it has. We were actually, before you came on, we, uh, Phil and I were talking. We're like, man, it's like, when's the last time you talked to, you know, talked to Chuck or saw Chuck and you know, Phil was saying, he's like, man, I saw him like five years ago at this something. You can tell that, Phil, but. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the all-star duel they had in Atlanta. Uh, they, yeah. they had a few of the all-star people come back, came back, and I, I didn't know you were going to be there. So it was a nice surprise <laughs> to run into you down there. So. Yeah, you and your wife, I think I remember. Right? Yeah, we met. The, right. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while to, since I've seen uh, everybody. So, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys today. I was saying, I was saying, coach, you're almost like a West Point cadet. It's like as soon as graduation happens, you, everyone goes their their separate ways and a million miles an hour, and then you don't you don't see them or hear from them very often. But when you do, it it feels like not a whole lot of time has gone by, and everyone picks back up. So it's good yeah, to see we, you, coach. <laughs> yeah, good to see you guys too. We spend a lot of time together, so uh, should be interesting conversations. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so uh, before we get started, just a little introduction about, about Coach Barbie and his background. You know, he was the head coach for the Army Wrestling Program for 10 seasons from uh, 2000 to 2010. He was the 2007-2008 EIWA Coach of the Year. Um, prior to coming to Army, you were an assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma under Jack Spates and a 1993 graduate of Oklahoma State University, where you were a three-time All-American. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, too, because that's like the first topic I want to you know, kind of get into is, you know, a lot of listeners know, hey, you were a really successful wrestler, you know, three-time All-American, but really you probably weren't able to reach your college potential um, because you missed your your senior year um, due to some issues with Oklahoma State. So, you know, we, if we could start there, I, I'd love to kind of dive into that and that that story a little bit. Yeah, sure. It, it was uh, certainly an interesting time. Uh, wrestling at Oklahoma State was, you um, was exciting. Uh, it was challenging. It pushed me really to my limits as a as a student and as an athlete. And so, I was fortunate to first make the team, you know, which was a good accomplishment, and then um, uh, become a three time All American through a, a lot of work and dedication and sacrifice. And yeah, unfortunately, we had the the institution had some issues there towards the end. And uh, they, uh, a number of us lost our last season of eligibility. And uh, at the time, yeah, it was, it was pretty devastating. And certainly, you know, not really a big factor in my life now. But uh, as we all know, we work towards a goal and we want to be national champions. And so that was really unfortunate how it ended uh, my the career, wrestling career there. But as we know, that life moves on. There's bigger things down the road. But that was certainly very uh, a, a very negative way to end, and uh, kind of upsetting for all of us. Really, it just uh, it was really unfortunate. So appreciate you sharing hey, that. Sorry. Yeah, hey, hey, yeah, coaches. Curious, if you don't mind, who, who was your was uh, was Tommy Chesborough the um, the head coach when you first started? Because you went through a couple of couple of coaches there, correct? Well, no, I only had, the only coach I had was Joe C, although we had a lot of assistant coaches that came through. So yeah, Joe, uh, Coach C was the uh, head coach during that time. Uh, very familiar with Coach Chesro, but he wasn't on staff. I, I take that back, maybe, you know, when the school got into trouble and Coach C was suspended, then Coach Chesbro stepped in uh, for a little bit, as did Kimmy Mundy and John Smith and different people at that time. Uh, there was a period of time there when we just 
it was like coaching by committee. We didn't really have, it was just people kind of coming in and out. Here we were, we, the returning national championship team. And we're like, well, I guess we'll just all kind of get together and train hard and see what happens here, you know? So it was, um, there was a lot of upheaval for sure. And it was kind of disappointing how, you know, the whole thing was handled by the school and the wrestlers, you know, it was just a different time back then. Uh, you know, there weren't compliance officers, uh, there wasn't, people didn't know the rules really, especially the wrestlers, the coaches are supposed to obviously, uh, but the wrestlers certainly didn't know them. And so uh, it was just a different time and a different era in regards to rules. And a lot of things changed nationally after that. And so uh, there was just a few of us that just had to learn a hard lesson, you know, and, uh, and uh, we were kind of led astray by our coach, which was unfortunate. As we all know, uh, leadership is very important. And I would say Coach C, uh, while he had some challenges, he, he didn't lead in a really uh, spectacular way uh, that I would deem as a very, not even spectacular, not even necessarily a good way. And, uh, and it was unfortunate. Uh, you know, just aside from 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 that, though, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've uh, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, Wrestling Changed My Life podcast, but they got a series uh, about the the Smith family, and in that series, they actually touch on some of this time, and and uh, you know, I was listening to that, and, and one, it was it was interesting to kind of listen more because I, I remember you telling some of the stories, and and I, I remember you were really really strict on a lot of the things that we did, uh, which at the time, you know, probably didn't understand, appreciate more now. But I remember that was kind of a little bit of the backdrop was was your experience. But um, maybe, I, you know, just kind of curious about how that that really affected the way you saw things and maybe, the, you, you know, I guess changed the way you looked at leadership and being a coach. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, you know, Ryan Warner there, I, I am familiar with the, the, the podcast and that series and episode and uh, did talk to Ryan a little bit before that was produced about that kind of situation. And he did a really good job of distilling it down to, you know, uh, Coach C telling the wrestlers to to lie to the investigators, you know, and so that was the, really the essence of the leadership uh, drop, you know, uh, there. And so, uh, obviously, that did make uh, a big impact to your question, uh, Phil, on me, you know, as far as I didn't really know. And I looking back in hindsight on my life and my career, I actually now I've made almost a life and a career and a living and uh, being an expert in policy and in rules. And I'd like to think reasonably uh, positive in the leadership realm uh, as far as being an ethical leader, uh, leader of high integrity. Uh, and not saying that Joe didn't have integrity, but he made an integrity mistake, you know, in there, which we all do. We all make mistakes uh, and we learn from them, uh, which I feel like I did. And it certainly had an impact on my uh, career as a coach, um, maybe swinging almost too far to one end of the spectrum, you know, as far as uh, rules and, and is there gray area with rules or not, you know, and there's always a subjective area in there where you have to execute some leadership discernment and we do the best that we can in there. And we kind of look back on some decisions and say, you know, I might've made that decision a little bit differently with a little more wisdom and a little more experience. And so I try not to be too critical, but I, to your question, um, yeah, it definitely impacted, you know, my perspective 
and uh, has kind of led me down the road. Now I'm the secretary rules editor <laughs> for NCAA wrestling. So I'm like in charge of all the rules. So I don't know if that's uh, just fate or, or if I was destined from that moment, you know, uh, to, hey, let's get these rules right and let's be fair about it. And let's do everything with the highest integrity. So that's like where you are like now with it. So I guess initially your reaction, you know, was probably different, but how did that, did that affect like how you maybe like competing after college or getting into coaching? Like did that drive you or affect, you know, one way or the other, or were you kind of driven to get into coaching after college, you know, regardless? Yeah, no, it absolutely impacted me negatively. I was, I was, um, just completely ran through the ringer and ready to, to get away from wrestling after going through that last season, you know, so um, I was pretty good in freestyle and, you know, I, I, we can all look back and say, Oh, I could have did this. I could have did that, which I won't do, <laughs> but I was pretty good at it, you know, but I was ready to be done. I was ready. I went on to, I got my secondary education degree and I was going to go teach. I was really got, I got really into rock climbing. I'm like moving to Colorado, going to be a teacher and a coach, going to rock climb, going to hike, going to do those things, which I did, you know, I, I, that's the way I took it. And um, I was into high school coaching at Golden, Colorado for two years and uh, enjoyed it, but did start missing the excitement and the challenges of division one wrestling and, and so uh, kind of made the decision after a couple of years of coaching high school that like, hey, I may try to see if I can jump into college coaching. And so I, I kind of went on this trajectory of, of University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, then back to the University of Oklahoma. And I know maybe you have some follow up questions to that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, to get back to the original point, yeah. I was ready to be done wrestling. Uh, I wanted to go out and live life, pursue, try to channel that my passion for wrestling into coaching, uh, which I think I did. And, uh, and uh, so it definitely had an impact for sure. And the other thing it impacts not wrestling uh, after college, to be honest, back in the early nineties was I was tired of being poor. You know, not that going out and being a high school coach made me rich by any stretch, but uh, but it was more money than you could make uh, wrestling back then. So uh, my desire to just uh, live a Spartan life, I, I would almost classify it as ultra Spartan <laughs> back then. Uh, you could hardly make any money wrestling. So it was time to go on a good job and move on. Did you meet your wife at some point during this or when, when, when did she come into the picture? I met my wife uh, while I was still wrestling. So yeah, she would kind of went through all of that with me. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was a tumultuous time for both of us for sure. You know, so there was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of anxiety and emotions through that. And, uh, you know, more so you're young, you're 20, 19, 20, 21 years old there, you know? And so uh, I could look back on it now and say, you know, well, things happen. That's just the way, the way life is, you know, you got to, move on down the road but at the time things are just crumbling you know <laughs> so it's it's pretty dramatic it was pretty dramatic in the moment but but uh she was a tremendous support for sure and uh she was willing to pack up the bags and move to Colorado with me you know after having grown up in Stillwater Oklahoma yeah just uh just as a one of your wrestlers you know when we were um uh, I remember kind of always asking you questions about like who you wrestled and, you know, they didn't have the, you know, the internet wasn't as 
big back then and we didn't have YouTube and all these things. So, you know, like the only, you know, information I ever really got was from Foxcatcher or from, you know, amateur wrestling news and I would follow some of the rankings. And so like, you know, I, I didn't have a, a, a great deal of perspective on, you know, how uh, one talented your room was. And, um, and, and I remember, you know, I just did, I didn't know you until I met you when you were an assistant in Oklahoma, but, uh, I love listening to the stories of you, uh, beating, I think it was Tom brands or Terry brands back in the day and, uh, listen to those stories. And then again, one of those things that came out of the podcast I listened to, I remember was, I, I just did not realize how many studs you guys had in your room at the time. And so I, I'm curious to just like one, what that was like, and like, obviously some of those guys went on to, you know, be Olympic champs. And just, I mean, I wonder what that was like as you're coaching, watching some of the guys that you, you know, uh, sparred with all the time, you know, having this enormous success. Was that hard? Yeah, I would say it wasn't hard. I, did, I, I never got the feeling uh, like, oh, geez, I missed my calling or I missed my opportunity. I, I truly, honestly, just felt excited for all of those folks. You know, we were talking about like, uh, of course, Kendall Cross, um, you know, Pat Smith, um, you know, Alan Freed had some success. We're not talking necessarily at the world's and Olympic level uh, with those folks. And, uh, and even seeing Tom Brands, who I wrestled a lot in college, you know, do well. I mean, I was just, I was just, I, I think I knew well enough that th there are plenty of wrestlers in the world said I beat so and so and so if so and so went on to did this maybe I could have done that too you know um, but the point is I didn't do it and they did you know and so um, so they I was happy for them and that's exciting to see and um, thank goodness I didn't feel that uh, you know I guess I was ready to be done with wrestling and I was done and I moved on and I really was focused on being the best coach I could be I didn't uh, I never had said that I should have kept wrestling, you know, I never, I never did that. So I think that's a good thing. And maybe I made the right decision in that regard. Now, the, the other valid question I'll pose is maybe I should have said, do I want to be a coach? <laughs> you know, that's the question that maybe I should have analyzed more because at some point later on in my career, I realized, Hey, I don't want to be a coach, you know? And so maybe we have some questions after that, but no, I was always happy for those wrestlers. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we all have, we all could say, oh, in high school, I beat uh, John Doe and he went on to be Olympic champion, but I'm not going to do that. You know, <laughs> I'll do it for you just because as one of your wrestlers, I was always super <laughs> proud about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I beat a lot of good wrestlers and they, they, they beat me and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy for those folks that they had some success because it's certainly, uh, we all know it's hard to put it all together everybody's got talent and potential. It's hard to put it all together on the day of at the right time with the right intensity and with the right set of circumstances. And uh, it's just not an easy thing to do. And um, when people do it, you know, it's pretty impressive. And uh, even as impressive as it is, it's still just wrestling. You know, there's a lot of other things that are, I'd rather nowadays put I could think of a, a lot of other things I'd like to put together in a perfect sequence than winning a championship that we, that are more important than championships, you know, so. Like riding dirt bikes. What's that? Like riding dirt bikes. Well, you know, not like riding dirt bikes. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say you have to have, you do have to have uh, some hobbies, you know, it's good to have those things. So, 
Um, but so I'm not a championship so, dirt bike rider, no. So Phil, you first met Coach Barbie when he was at Oklahoma. How did you guys meet? I feel like listeners probably want to hear about that. I, I feel like I've heard it, but I don't really remember the story that well. Was it like a summer camp or something? Yeah, yeah, I can, so I'll, yeah, yeah go ahead, Phil. You can no, tell you your go, part you, and then I'll tell you. You let me well, tell my, okay. yeah, no, I, I'll, let me tell mine and you can add uh, in some color here. <laughs> so uh, I was at University of Oklahoma as the assistant coach and I was like any assistant coach, you know, you want to, you want to make more money. You want to get more responsibility. You're looking for coaching jobs, you know, and I had applied for a couple of jobs. I think I applied for like Northern Iowa university. I applied for Navy actually, which was just really interesting. And, uh, and was I, I never had a chance to get it, but I think the uh, Bruce Burnett and Zeke Jones and I were the people they interviewed. And so that had happened in right around 2000, right around 2000, like in the summer of 2000. And I didn't get the Navy job. And so I went back as like, okay, I'm going to be at Oklahoma. I could be getting my summers messed up here so phil can correct me but at some point in there i uh, the army job came open and i thought well if i if i, if I was interested in navy i've got to be interested in army so i was started the application process for that and at the same time uh we had oklahoma university summer camps going on and phil happened to come to the summer camp in oklahoma and so I had a I, decent idea I was going to get the job. And I, I watched Phil wrestle a lot. And I was like, holy smokes, he's tough, you know. And I was like, the, the first thing I thought in my mind, if I get the Army job, I'm calling Phil first thing. This is li literally what I thought. And so Phil's at the camp with me as OU and as the OU coach. And, and then he goes home. And then I don't remember how many weeks or months later, I do get the job at West Point. And, and I was like, finally, I can call Phil. So I call Phil and start talking to him about wrestling in college. And of course, he thinks I'm the Oklahoma coach, but I'm really now the Army West Point coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Phil, did I get it right? Yeah, you did. you did. You got it right. Um, yeah, so from my perspective, it's funny. I'm going to throw Kevin in here because it's almost like full circle. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I, I had to, uh, you know, so I was going to try to get a wrestling scholarship to go to college. Um, my mom and dad said, you're either going to join the military or, or, or get a wrestling scholarship. So, so I, I was at one of the tournaments, my, yeah, I did both. I got them back. So, but I, uh, I was at uh, a tournament that Kevin Ward was at and Kevin was really good in high school and he was walking around with an Oklahoma, uh, Sooners bag. And I was like, Oh, Kevin, you think about going to Oklahoma? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Oh man, maybe I should be thinking about going to Oklahoma. So that was what spurred the idea of like, okay, well, I, I better like go to the camp because nobody knows who I am. And, and uh, I, I need to like get in front of somebody um, and show them that I can wrestle. So that's how I ended up going to Oklahoma was because I thought Kevin was thinking about going to Oklahoma. And then I went down there and was talking to coach Spates and, and, and coach uh, Spates was a great guy, but, but I quickly zeroed in on coach Barbie because his technique. And I, I just, everything he was showing, I, I kind of gravitated towards and it just made a lot of sense. And I was like, man, he is he is a great coach, and I could tell, you know, at the time, you, they had some serious studs. Uh, Michael Leitner and Whit Durden, um, both of those guys were, you know, uh, small around my weight class and really good. And so, like, I just watched him coach. And so, when he called me, I was jumping up and down. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, Oklahoma's called me. And he said, yeah, I'm actually the coach at, at, at West Point. And I was like, 
isn't that like a military school? <laughs> and he said, yeah. I was like, and then they do like push-ups and stuff. And then from there it's history. And, uh, but, uh, I, I do remember there was a brief moment coach where I was let down big time, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I followed you, uh, for sure. And that worked out probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, that, that was, that was funny. Cause I still remember that camp and, uh, and watching Phil and, uh, I probably have a note somewhere. It was like, call Phil Simpson once I get the job. <laughs> and it was probably, literally, probably the, the first call I made for sure on recruiting. So, of course, you never know how, when you're recruiting, it's really hard to always know how interested a wrestler is in your school, you know. So, um, we recruited Phil really hard. And then, you know, we just kind of went and we recruit, I recruited Kevin Ward really hard. I, I actually really thought we would get Kevin uh, and Philip um, together, which I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. Cause they would have been, you know, they would have worked themselves out on the weight just fine. One above the other, but it didn't work out with Kevin. So. He actually, I was talking to him yesterday on the phone and he was like, you need to bring that up that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, the head coach of the program almost went to West Point and bring that up, to, you know, bring that up to Chuck and be like, why couldn't he get him? <laughs> we yeah. actually, me and Kevin both were on the same recruiting trip. We both looked at the same time. I thought he was coming as well. And, uh, of course, then he goes and, and uh, goes to your old alma mater, Coach Barbie. But um, I was disappointed that was, he was going to be my workout yeah. partner and it was going to be great. Yeah, I honestly thought um, – I thought he was coming too, Phil, and um, – I will say Coach Ward can disagree with me, but I will speculate that I think he would have done, had more wrestling accomplishments had he come to West Point than had he gone to Oklahoma State. So, 100% agree. Yeah, Coach Ward, you can refute that if you want, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm envisioning multi-time All-American status at Army West Point if he would have been there. So, uh, any, but, any specifics on why you think that? Or I think he would have been in the starting lineup from day one. I think he would have progressed faster. He would have got more attention. He would have got equal or better coaching. I'm tooting my own horn. So, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I think uh, he would have uh, excelled in the environment. And uh, I think uh, he would have, I think he would have done really well, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we, we have shown Phil showed Maurice Worthy showed Matt Kyler showed, you know, that you can, you can go to army West point and with the right focus and the right sort of balance in your life, you can be an all American. We didn't get a national champion while I was there, but we were painfully close, you know? And so, uh, getting people on that podium is, is, is really important. It's not everything in a season, but it's important. And so, you know, it's exciting to be able to, to see Phil and, and Matt and uh, Maurice do that and, and the others. So I think Kevin had the potential to do that. And uh, sometimes the environment um, can matter and Oklahoma state environment, you can't really, you can't question it. But for some folks, uh, other environments they excel in, and I just happen to think he would excel in our system. Yeah, I, I think particular, just from my perspective, I think, you know, being in Tennessee, we didn't have a lot of, you know, we just weren't exposed to a lot of great wrestling. And so we were kind of maybe big fish in small pond. And, uh, you know, just chatting. And I remember 
you know, talking to him when he was even there, um, you go from being big fish in, in small pond to small fish in a big pond. And that's a grueling environment. That, that's something I've gained a lot of appreciation for is just the, those programs. They, they really grind you out. And so um, I definitely feel like I won getting you coach Barbie and being able to pick your brain every day and um, getting the, the attention that you gave. Um, and no doubt, I, 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 I chose the right, right, uh, right place for me. And, um, but uh, it's funny. It's, it's great seeing uh, Kevin and coach Ward kind of continuing your legacy and, uh, and, and proving that we can win at West Point. And so uh, he's done a great job with the program. And I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but it's, it's exciting to yeah. see that. But uh, I do, I'd love, you know, Brian, when you, when you talk to him next time, I, I'd love to hear what he thinks uh, if he uh, has any, thoughts about what it would have been like if he would have came particularly if he had had a really good workout partner <laughs> yeah. yeah well and if he would have came though he might not be the coach at army west point now you know it, it would yeah, maybe he, arguably be a little harder he's been at west point longer than i was yeah <laughs> i've been at west point longer than all y'all yeah, that's true. <laughs> my double yeah actually more than both of us i think combined yeah yeah <laughs> I will say West Point is designed, in my opinion, for short stints. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's, uh, it's definitely um, you know it's it's a it's a challenging place for a civilian to live for an extended period of time. You know, for some civilians, I should say. You know, some people yeah. jump adapt right to it. Well, <clears throat> uh, you know, Highland Falls has got a lot to offer. Um, but uh, actually, the first place I ever went when it, when you brought me up for your trip was uh, was Shades Pizza, and that was a that was a that was always a good staple. So, yeah, um, I, I would like to ask you, I would I, I would like to ask you, Coach, uh, just kind of like now we're talking about a little bit more about your time at West Point. Uh, we're kind of moving into that. Uh, you know, what what would you say was is was some of your fondest memories and some of the things that you when you look back on that time that you cherish the most about your experience. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it was ten years, so it was a really a long time. It's it's uh it's hard to pin down like single memories here and there, um, especially since we're ten years out of it. I think generally speaking, uh, you know, just like, like most coaches, spending time with the wrestlers, helping them to work through challenges and issues, and and uh, try to, to try to just help them to achieve their wrestling goals. And, uh, and get them graduated. You know, I, I always think about graduating and seeing people move on. And uh, I kind of missed as I coached, uh, I what I would have really liked the most was when the wrestlers started coming back, that would have been really cool to be still be there. That part is kind of like maybe one thing that if I had a regret, I'd be like, oh, that would have been really cool to start getting the rest your own wrestlers back, you know. Uh, but as far as just the time there, you know, if I, if I look at, like most of us, we look back on things and there is a bit of like, oh, I should have enjoyed this more. I should have enjoyed that more. I should have been a little more in the moment here. But just generally uh, getting to know uh, young people that were like you all, like Brian, like you, Phil, like your brothers, all your teammates, just getting to know them as people and persons and spending time with them and, and, and coaching them and try to help them achieve their wrestling goals that's something I'll, I'll always definitely cherish. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I was far from a perfect coach. I think honestly, if I, if I was coaching now, I'd be way better than I was when I was with you all. 
uh, just like we all think we're, we're our, we just get older and wiser and more experienced and seasoned, you know, so I, get, I guess part of me wants to apologize for being uh, insufficient in a lot of areas. Um, but hopefully I was able to, you were able to benefit maybe from some of my interactions, like I benefited from interactions with you all, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate all our time together. I, you know, I only had great experiences. I probably wasn't the best cadet wrestler. Um, there was putting it uh, softly, but uh, no, I, I really enjoyed my time with you and at West Point and, you know, under, under your leadership. Well, Brian, I, one thing I'll say about you is I always knew about you from the very beginning. You loved wrestling way more than I did. You know, I could tell you're just like a wrestling purist, a fan. You know, I was like, I was like, oh my God, Brian likes wrestling more than even I do. And I'm, you know, so I always knew you, uh, you were just into it and you liked all aspects of it. And, the, you know, and um, you knew all the people. And, you know, so that was always cool, a, a memory of me thinking back of you on your time as a cadet. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wish yeah. I just, uh, I'd like to maybe getting better technically at uh, developing a shot. That would have been. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's another episode. That's another episode for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know, uh, you know just kind of uh, touching a little bit on your, why your time there is you, you span, you know, obviously 10 years. So I came in obviously your second year. So you had just had a very successful first year. Uh, you know, uh, Maurice Worthy obviously <clears throat> making it to the finals. That was really exciting. And, uh, and I came in and, uh, you know, I, I remember thinking we probably had to have the most unique wrestling room in the entire country. Uh, and so I kind of separate your years, the, the, the Coach Barbie first years being Cullum Hall. And then your second years where you guys were all spoiled and had a really, really nice facility. And so, Maybe talk a little bit about that, uh, you know, what that was yeah. like. Um, and did you miss the rock climbing wall that we had? And uh, <laughs> how was that experience uh, um, going from, from, you know, coaching in a, a dance, you know, basically a dance hall um, and, <laughs> and then getting a really, really nice facility? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Phil, because that's a, that's a credit to your class and the class effort, two or three classes there that had a lot of vision to, to come in because – uh, when I got there to Army, uh, to West Point, boy, it was it was rough. Uh, budgets were low. We were in, a, as Phil said, a dance hall that um, was very, it had like 10 lumens worth of light in it, you know, and it had um, birds that would kind of arc across the, the skyline as the pigeons would sit on one end, you know, and uh, when it rained, my ceiling would fall in because the porch above it leaked, you know, and so I worked in a down park, uh, you know, and so it was a really uh, rough existence there. And uh, the wrestlers didn't have a locker room, you know, there was just so many challenges and honestly, so many real legitimate reasons to complain massively, you know, but the wrestlers never did that. I mean, to, it to the point where it hurt us as a team I felt you know they just rolled with the flow and did so much and didn't didn't and you know and so but for me I'm like a little bit in a panic you know because I'm like oh my god who is gonna want to 
who's going to want to come here with this sort of setup, you know? So we're like putting, we're using smoke and mirrors and makeup coverings everywhere, you know? <laughs> we're doing everything you can imagine to, to make this, like look at the view of the Hudson River as you finish practice, you know, like things that we could do. So it was really hard for sure. And so there's, there's really actually, other than, I don't really know that there was any positive about being in Column Hall for two or three years at all. It was just hard for the wrestlers. I felt bad for them that they didn't have, have showers. They, you know, and but there was really nothing that I could do when Arvin Hall was being built. And they say, oh, the Congress is holding up the money. So it's going to be another year, you know, or something. So we just, I give that, those groups a lot of credit, man. They, they showed up and we made the best of it. And we put Phil in the national finals wrestling in Column Hall, just a hair's breadth away from being uh, an NCAA champion. That's, that's a lot of credit to the team and the coaching staff, Coach Chesbro, who was there at the time working with that. So it was hard, Phil, for sure. And I, I, I walked away from Column Hall and I never wanted to go back. And I was like, we put our time in there. The other thing that was interesting at that time too is, uh, when I first got there, they used these things. It was like going back in the 1970s, it felt like to me, honestly. Because, Phil, you remember the roles, you the know? Roles, that's right. Yeah, and I don't know if they still do roles now, but at least if they do roles now, they use 21st century uh, gear, you know, and not gear that looked like it was from like the 1980s or something. We used to work out in polyester shorts, and, you know, it was like we had to modernize ourselves like quick. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think everyone realizes um, the accomplishment of bringing that program from 2000 to 2005. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> He's got a fair right there. Those yeah. are the classics. That was 2002. We're, that, it I looks know. like it should be 1977, doesn't it? <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was kind of coming back in or something. I didn't know that, that we, those were they, they were that old. <laughs> and we all just held them up and just went, well, I got to wear something. <laughs> you know? I was just happy somebody else was doing the laundry. <laughs> yeah. So to get that, the jump that program made, I'm going to get, I'm going to give Nick Reggio and Rick Greenspan, the ADs at the time um, that hired me, the jump that program made from 2000 to 2005 is like, I can't even tell you how massive that jump is, you know, from their just budgets, facilities, coaching staff we had our challenges with some the dod budget cuts in there you know and coaching staff I, I, coaching turnover was always a big challenge we didn't pay enough it was it was expensive to live in the area you know so but we made some big strides there for sure and the arvin facility uh was the best thing ever yeah, that, that, that's that's great. I don't want you to ever feel bad. We, I, I actually have such fond memories. It's funny when we would be practicing on Saturdays, but particularly during the fall, you know, the, the, the alumni would come back for the alumni weekend and you'd see these, you know, these guys and girls, they'd be bringing their, their significant others back in to reminisce about their days. And then they would be crying when they walked in and trying to, you know, enjoy this, you know, staring at them with this, these memories. And they would see a bunch of sweaty, smelly guys rustling in there. I remember watching their faces. <laughs> Well, if I, when I go back, I'm going to go back in and see a really beautiful dance hall and cry. I'm like, oh, there's my roster. Yeah, if we had a lot of great memories there. Yeah, if we had a dollar for every uh, alum that came in and they went like this. <laughs> you know, yeah, when they like, saw the room. The right place? <laughs> yeah, well, 
we, we, I, I, uh, I had such great memories from that. And so like, I didn't know any different and, and at a place like West Point, it was really a sanctuary. So, um, you did a great job, but I do remember, you know, when coming back and watching the next class and seeing the, the new facilities and it was really, really, really great to see the, you know, West Point to, you know, invest in, in that. And, uh, it's really cool seeing, you know, Kevin Ward's got obviously massive plans and has done an incredible job and, you know, he's, you know, really pushing and trying to get even a, you know, take it up another level. I mean, you, you, you took it from, you know, where we were to really nice facility and Kevin's pushing it to, to an even better, you know, standalone wrestling facility, which I never would have thought would ever been possible. Yeah. Um, so it's just really exciting to hear that and see, see, see the program really take another leap. That is, that is exciting to see. And uh, hopefully that works out well for them. I, I, the one benefit, the one single benefit that of the standalone it could be a little farther away, but it'll be air conditioned in the summer. And right now, because <laughs> if there is one failing, I got the, the wool pulled over my eyes with Arvin. I said, now it's climate controlled, right? And they said, yes, it is. And only in the winter. that meant only heat in the winter. So we, had, you know, the no air conditioning in the room is not ideal. So with human weather, but yeah, the standalone is yeah. good. Wait, if that comes to fruition, that'll be really cool. And the wrestlers will love it. Now have a dedicated space and uh, that'll be, that's always an awesome um, enhancement to your program when you get something like that. Yeah. Brian, you, you'd need that uh, air conditioner, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I couldn't do with that. I, honestly, I, I don't remember it being super hot in the summer though. Like I, I don't know. Oh boy, it doesn't even have to be the summer. It could just be the humidity. You know, you get the mats get so slippery, but the summers are brutal. You, the wrestlers, you weren't there as much in the summer, but it, it was pretty brutal in the summer uh, with summer camps and, you know, um, summer sessions with uh, plebes coming in, you know, and everything. But it was okay. We met, that's a minor complaint compared to Arvin. <laughs> Look, I, I also never wrestled in Calm Hall either. So. My experience yeah. there was coming up on a recruiting trip. So I, I, my, my plebe year, we literally, you know, from Beast, we went to Arvin, and that was like the brand new facility. So we were like, ooh and on. Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss anything, Brian. So. <laughs> well, you missed a climbing wall. We had a climbing wall. We did have we a climbing wall, climbing yeah. Wall. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting looking back at your time at West Point, like, you know, the initial success with, like Maurice Worley right in the first year. And then you had Phil, you know, coming right after that. And then pretty much, you know, maybe like you're doing, then Kyler came out. And then when Kyler graduated, you, you know, you moved, you moved on after that, you know, was that like a, you know, just a coincidence or like, did you, did you plan like, Hey, maybe it's my time to move on now. Um, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, no, that was really, there was no um, coinciding with Matt or any other wrestler. It was really just the, the timing that worked for me, you know, uh, and for my family, as you can imagine. And I guess it worked out to where, you know, Matt, um, uh, you know, had, had graduated and was one of the, the better wrestlers, obviously, at the time. And unfortunately, we didn't get him to the All-American round in his senior year, which was a, a bummer for sure. But uh, no, the timing just worked out for me and my family. As you can imagine, uh, I'm here. I am. I'm a mid-career person. I'm deciding to go away from something I've been doing for a long time. I'm kind of at the pinnacle of the coaching 
ladder, you know, people want to coach, you coach D1, you think you're going to stay there and you're like, oh, here's this crazy guy going to move his wife and four kids across the country uh, during the middle of what turned out to be a recession, you know, and so um, we planned it out well, luckily it turned out good, but, um, and found jobs here in Arizona and moved on with life, but uh, no, it was, it was kind of just a personal decision for me. It was time to step away and uh, and uh, go a different direction. And I was, you know, there's a lot of reasons behind that that we can discuss if we want to go down those roads, you know. But uh, it definitely was just a personal decision. Um, it's funny when, when we did Matt's episode. You know, I tried to bring up that point, like, you know, you graduated and then he left, you know, or you know, he graduated and then you left. And I was trying to make this like sentimental moment, like. You know, what were, you know, what, what were some of the things that, you know, Chuck taught you, you know, trying to get really in the feels and he was like, he didn't get it at all. He was like, yeah, I'd say a sprawl. You really taught me that sprawl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, we missed, we missed the mark on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, that, well, we, I mean, I, I enjoyed all my time, every wrestler, whether they didn't start or. We, we talk about the Phils and the Mats and the Maurices a lot, and they, and they deserve all the accolades and credits, but we had so many tremendous wrestlers, Brian, like yourself, everyone that wasn't in the limelight. So um, I want all the wrestlers that may watch us to know, I, I think about every single one of you all the time, you know, and we do have some fun stories as a program that we're all a part of these championship wrestler success so it is cool to talk about those and matt is was a great one and i i'll always remember it was so ironic when he became all-american that he beat a wrestler from penn state because he's a pa guy brian you know you're a pa guy and it couldn't have been any sweeter and and scripted any better to pin a pennsylvania a penn state wrestler for him to become all-american you know and um same with uh, with Phil. I mean, I don't know if people, you know, it's been a long time, Phil, since your freshman year. You know, you're getting up. We're all we're all aging as we should, mm -hmm. uh, but people might not know how close Phil was to being a four-time All-American. Mm -hmm. Like it's like we're talking microns close with the wrestler from Minnesota like just milliseconds from being a four-time All-American, which would have been awesome, but it, it didn't happen, you know, right, Phil? Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, it was very, 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 very close, which uh, three-time is huge, but uh, force, force huger. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so yeah, lots of good memories there. And uh, so... Yeah, I don't think... I don't think you ever, we ever told you this, but my, my plebe year, uh, we went on an F&M trip and um, Patty and Luke Calvert and John Anderson jumped off their, uh, their hotel room and they, and like they had adjoining rooms and they got kicked out of their rooms. And so we didn't, they didn't have a room. So they just buck, they just like stayed with us. And like, we had basically one room for all the wrestlers. And we kept it from you guys for the you know whole night. Nobody nobody said anything, so we wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> I I did hear about that. I don't. It was not in real time though. Somehow I heard about that after the fact. But that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that that is that is a good one. I'm sure there's a multitude of those out there. You know, so uh, as there should be. You are young, and you know, I I was I'm sure I was a hard ass on more than one occasion, and I probably mellowed. I'd be much softer and cooler now. You know, <laughs> so. 
Um, Phil, you want to go next? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Honestly, I just um, I'm sitting here smiling just because I'm, I'm I'm thinking back and it's bringing back a lot of memories uh, and a lot of you know we call Coach Barbie you know uh, Coach Barbieisms. Uh, one of the one of the funniest things I, I like to to watch is everyone tries to have their you know, Coach Barbie impressions, and there's a lot of lot of funny sayings out there. And so, <laughs> I, I wish we could put a compilation of that. I think you'd get a kick out of it, Coach Barbie. <laughs> but uh, I always, uh, yeah, I just I always enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I, Jason Subi might have had some of the funniest ones that I can remember. <laughs> he he particularly loved the one where where you said, you know, you'd always say three bombs, three bombs, you know, off the whistle. Yeah. And uh, we just had I. It, just a lot of your your sayings and and, and quirks we uh very endearing we i enjoy and thinking about back on those uh on those and all the coffee and, and diet coke that you drank and you got <laughs> on that as well <laughs> yeah those are yeah you never know how country you are till you hear somebody else imitate you you know <laughs> like oh my god is that how i sound <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah no i guess yeah three bumps is key still you know? Still, very much so. <laughs> very much so. And I well, will say, yeah, I, I was talking. I, I know the whole thing is uh, Bihaw. That's that's long after me. I I was thinking like maybe I I'd like to think our the teams kind of progressed into that. We had that mentality. I, I remember I was on big on team point speed. You know, um, and so <laughs> yeah, and so um, I think that maybe that might have been the precursor knowledge into your this the the new aged. Bihaw. Yeah, I feel like uh, yeah. we're, there, there's been a couple different I, ones. Yeah, that was not, I was just talking to Patrick before I, I, I got on here with you, coach, and that was one of the things that I, I, he, he mentioned was just like probably the, the, the culture change, you know, that that happened. You know, I, I remember when I got there and then when he got there and really, it, it, you know, we had a lot of, you know, probably pretty good wrestlers, but I don't know if they really – took it as seriously but the, the culture you built and and the the just around the team and you know that was uh really 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 cool to see um us go from you know just kind of a bunch of wrestlers to to, to really a team that that made a lot of strides and and did a lot of really good things in a tough conference um you know we, we eiwa was starting to really blossom when we were getting going with cornell and and pennsylvania and um, and so, you know, it was, uh, Lehigh obviously. So, um, yeah, yeah. Th that, that is one thing I, I wanted to mention was like, I, I do know that the, the culture, um, as you made a huge shift and I think that's all obviously only continued through, uh, you know, coach Haskett and now coach Ward. And I think, you know, that you really laid the groundwork for that. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. And yeah, I, I appreciate that for sure. And, uh, you know, it's like anything, hopefully you leave something, um, that's a good solid foundation that can be built on. So I've su been super happy to see the success and just feel, you know, and it's, I'm just now just a blip in the history, you know, which is cool to be, you know, it's all we are, all are eventually with everything, you know? So you just try to make it a little bit better, uh, make your mark on that, learn from your mistakes during those times, try to improve yourself over the course of your life. So um, it's good to hear that you feel you you guys feel like it was an improvement and a good experience. You know, um, that means do you, a lot. Do you, do you miss coaching at all? I don't miss coaching one bit. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. There's a time people. I always said that was a really I, good response. There. Yeah. Yeah. No. My my life is better in every single way. Not coaching. 
I'll just put it that bluntly, you know? And so um, that's just me, you know, people, I always said I would coach. I'm not going to be one of those coaches that is going to just be hanging on and doing it because it's a paycheck. I took a, it was a huge sacrifice leaving. I'd be way better off financially right now if, coaching but life is not about money life is not about you know um just uh, prestige or positions of power or any of those things you know and so my life is better as a coach as is better not as a coach than it was as a coach that doesn't mean i don't regret my time being a coach i learned a ton from that it's part of my legacy it's molded me into who i am hopefully it's positively impacted some young lives as they progress through theirs um but uh yeah but i i, I wanted to be one of those people that said okay i'm not 110 percent into this so i'm going to move on down the road and let somebody do it who is and um i'm not going to look back and i didn't look back and i've I've never been happier. Yeah, I, I, I'm involved with the sport and uh, at a level that is good for me uh, because not everybody can do wrestling 24-7, 360. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be more of your life than it was of mine. You know, I wanted more in my life than just wrestling. And being a D1 coach, it's really hard to have a whole lot more in your life than wrestling. I think probably the the coaches who do it the best are the ones that can kind of just incorporate everything together. And that's, that's just not me. I need some, some segregation, you know? So um, you, you probably noticed that is the way I coach, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't the coach having barbecues with everyone over and there wasn't the coach hosting people. I was like, I had X amount to give and I couldn't give any more, you know? And so that's, you know, that's, and, and at some point I got no more to give to the point where like, I need to move on down the road. So um, I, there's probably some coaches out there now that probably need to self-assess and say, hey, maybe I need to move on down the road too, you know, uh, probably enjoy your life a little bit more and give somebody else a chance, you know. Couldn't agree more. So let's, uh, let, let's move into now your current role. Uh, we'll go back to, you know, um, towards the end of that, some kind of bonus, some sound bites that we got from, uh, you know, from, from some listeners who tuned in or asked questions, things like that. But um, as the rules guy, uh, and I follow wrestling Twitter, not super, super well, but well enough to see, you know, when new rules come out or after NCAAs, a bunch of coaches are chirping about, we want this rule to change and this and that. Um, I guess, you know, talk to us a little bit about your role, um, you know, with the rules and then maybe some of the rule changes for this college year. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the role that I have is I am the NCAA Wrestling Secretary Rules Editor. And I have a second role where I'm also the weight management liaison. So just quickly, the weight management liaison is I just oversee the weight management process across the country at all the schools and institutions. All right. So it's it's a very important role. I'm an advocate for uh, the weight management rules and um, proper rules, following the rules of that, making sure that certifications get done properly. And so that's kind of a behind the scenes, but it's very important uh, role. The more public role is the secretary rules editor role, where the way it works in NCAA wrestling is there's a committee, it's called, it's just called the rules committee. And they basically are responsible for implementing new rules. And so we do, we make new rules every two years. 
And in between that two-year cycle, every year, there's uh, anytime you have a rule book or you make new rules, there's always going to be gray areas. There's going to you're going to need interpretations. The the text in the rule reads this way, but what about this question? Or what if this comes up? And so the way it's set up is so that we have a unified single voice. There's only one person who interprets rules, and that's me the secretary rules editor. And so any question about a rule comes to me, I either say it's already been interpreted. And so go look at the rules book or this document we call the case book. Or I say, oh, that's a new one here. I'll have to do some research now and I'll make an official interpretation on that and I'll make it public to the coaches and the referees. And then I'll codify it in the case book so that the entire country is working off the same sheet of music here with rules, um, as opposed to um, referees thinking that they're interpreters or regional coordinators thinking they're interpreters. And then you say, oh, in the West Coast, they call it like this, but on the East Coast, they call it like that. That doesn't happen. And if it ever does happen, it should get nipped like that because there's everyone needs to be applying the rules in the same way. And so it's a lot of responsibility to, you know, make good interpretations. You know, I feel like in some ways my entire wrestling career has led up to this ability to kind of coalesce all of my wrestling knowledge to, to listen to hard questions and to make sound and fair decisions, you know? And so that's kind of like in a big, picture view of what it's like, you know, and so I answer a lot of emails, I, I, you know, I go to the championships, if they have questions, if the championship committee has questions about rules, I tell them, here's the way the rule is, or I research it, you know, so it's, um, I've been doing it about six years now. So I'm, I'm getting, I have a baseline of knowledge, that's pretty good. Um, but I'm still looking through the book, I'm reading sentences, I'm making sure we use certain specific words. Yeah, it's, it's very challenging. And as you might imagine, I, I'm dealing with a lot of high emotion sometimes, you know. And so that's um, can be challenging, but it's a good way to be involved. It, it suits my skill set. I'm a good policy person. I write policy for my work at Arizona State. I implement and execute policy and I hold people accountable. I apply sanctions. I do all these different things, you know, so it, it sits pretty well with that. So I don't know if you have any follow-up questions, but that's kind of like the big picture of what the secretary rules editor does. I was going to use this as my platform to, to ask rules that I think should be changed. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to Twitter for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where the experts are, Brian. <laughs> but yeah. if I would suggest one thing, this is my pet peeve. Okay. The wrestling area, especially for the NCAA finals, the out-of-bounds area is not big enough so that the wrestlers can wrestle there. And I feel like maybe not every year, but like guys finishing a takedown, guy steps on the, you know, the, the, uh, the end of the, the, like outside the mat area, and then it gets blow, you know, the whistle blows and they can't wrestle. And there's parts of the areas of the mat that are shorter out-of-bounds than the others. And all of yeah. it is just a bigger out-of-bounds area. I feel like at yeah. age, that shouldn't be an issue. Like both wrestlers should be able to be like completely out of bounds without being off the stage. That's the only yeah. thing I'll say. Yeah. No, a point taken. I'll, uh, I'll even consider that uh, for the championship committee uh, because they are supposed to have five feet of, uh, of mat protection outside the circle. 
So if we have enough space on the elevated structure and we request those mats new every year, potentially, I'm not sure about that. This is outside of my area. There's no reason why we can't ask for a mat that has seven feet of protection area outside the circle. Even though the rule only requires five, we do recommend eight, but the rule only requires five. So they're probably right at five. I tweeted. Yeah, gonna, you might need eight because some of these some of these kids can do the splits nowadays. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like there's some crazy flexibility that uh, we didn't have back in our day. Um, yeah, that, uh, people can can get their toes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if we get a bigger mat on the center stage, Brian, we'll call it the Rowan Clause, and uh, it'll go. You'll have you'll have your mark. <laughs> that shouldn't uh excite me as much as it does <laughs> so um, last question last question for me coach you, you have you are there going to be any crazy changes this upcoming year or are there any rules that you would like to see changed i will no no crazy changes this year um if you've been following rules um over the last six years we've made an enormous number of changes and i think for the most part, generally all good. We had a rule book that was kind of stuck in the 80s, you know? Uh, and so now we got facial hair, now you no hair rules. You know, we got uh, just you know, lots of good things. No hanging down on ankles, just stalling, mm -hmm. you know, the drop down counts. I mean, I think, I, I will say before I became secretary rules editor, I was, I was, um, I didn't like watching the wrestling. It was so boring and annoying, you know, like, and so I feel really good about it. And we're not perfect, but we're in a pretty good space with mm -hmm. college wrestling. I feel like the rules are pretty good. They're never going to be perfect. People on Twitter want perfection. They're living in fantasy land and they'll never have protect, uh, perfection. And so um, we have a good rule set. So this year we've, we've made so many changes. We've been trying to slow down a little bit. So they're just incremental changes. We uh, now we're trying to get more of the overtimes to finish with a, an exciting takedown. So instead of one minute uh, sudden victory, it'll be two. That's a pretty modest change, but hopefully mm -hmm. we'll see more of those not go to the tiebreaker rideouts. Uh, also now you can win with uh, net writing time advantage after the first tiebreaker rounds. So we should very rarely go to a second sudden victory mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, or a second set of tiebreakers because well, the only way it could happen is they both write each other out. So it could happen, but it's going to happen a lot less, you know. Right. And so that'll be good. We implemented, there's, a, there's some other things like a two-hour weigh-in for multi-day tournaments now, just to standardize that like at the NCAA tournament. So wrestlers would have to normally like, okay, let me get my uh, nutrition and hydration and warm-up plan for a two-hour weigh-in. Then the next day we do a one-hour weigh-in. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's hard. So we made it two hours across the board with that. Um, other than that, there's, there's just some small things here and there. But nothing really big or monumental. It's a pretty low key year for real changes. I know a lot of people, and I'll say one more thing, but I know a lot of people are, are, are wanting to move towards like a push out rule in, in folk style. Do you ever see that ever see that happen or can you comment on that? We, yeah, we talk about that all the time. And, and I'll, I'm not talking as this SRE representative, I'm talking as Coach Barbie on BHA, you know, here. And so, 
what we have now, granted, referees need application, but they need application with a put. What we have is so much better than a push out, I, 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 in my opinion. Okay. Uh, it keeps, it encourages wrestlers to stay on the mat. Push outs encourage people to push. All right. If, and they, they, they were proven to do that with freestyle wrestling. And even if you do go with the push out and you think that's better, there's still so much subjectivity on where they down on their knees, who stepped out first, did I get it right? You know, so um, we're going to coach up our referees, continue to help them get better. We realize again that um, the neutral out of bounds stalling rule is not, it's not perfect, but there perfection doesn't exist. What it does is it's designed to keep wrestlers on the mat and it does that. It does it very well. It's proven with the data. And so um, coaches um, like to complain a lot. And I shouldn't say that. Some coaches like to complain. A lot of coaches don't say one word about it. Fans like to complain. I will say that a lot on Twitter. And, <laughs> and so every coach in the country knows the rule. They know that no wrestler can force an unnecessary restart in the neutral position. So if you don't coach your wrestlers to get off the line and control the center, then you're just playing with fire. You might get called for stalling if you go out of bounds, you know? So it's really a rule that also a coach could really out coach another coach by being good at it, you know? And so I hope, I hope coaches take it on. Like I'm going to out coach the other guy with this rule. And I think the rule is set up so that you could do that. Okay, well said. So anyway, I'm not a fan of the push out, Brian. Sorry, I kind of, I drugged that. I could just said, don't, don't really like it. <laughs> but again, I don't even vote. And so the rules committee deliberates this all sides. That's the one thing that people uh, like to do on Twitter. No one really ever looks truly at both sides. And so everyone has their opinion, but when you really sit in a room for four hours and go over with some of the great coaches and ADs in the sport, and you really go over both sides, you start thinking, oh, okay, well, I think what we have is pretty good, you know? So we have some listener, I wouldn't say they're questions. Some of them were questions. Actually, Ty Reedy texted, texted me and Phil yesterday, probably 20 questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he actually wanted them to be asked, but, uh, or if he was just trying to be there for comedic relief, but a lot of people put on, uh, put some of your, uh, some of your, uh, Chuck Barbie quotes out there. Did you oh, they did. oh yeah. Let's hear him, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a, I wish I had a list in front that I could just have, uh, coach Barbie saying, but, uh, this <laughs> one was my personal favorite. Uh, pop tires, poor man's power bar. <laughs> yeah. Statement. <laughs> That is a true statement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> lean dogs, mean dog. Yeah, that's I. I got that from Tommy Chesbro. That's a classic and and pretty true. <laughs> uh, you got to be on that leg like a rat on a Cheeto, on a, a rat on a Cheeto. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, a Barbie original. I think. I'm, I'm sure I got it from. We all get stuff from everyone, but it, once you forget where it came from it becomes your own <laughs> have you ever seen a rat on a cheeto before no it's all about your imagination <laughs> <laughs> it's your imagination of what that might look like but if you think about it it's pure intensity right 
That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. focused in the moment intensity, you know? I, I, I can definitely imagine that after uh, cutting weight, a, a rat on a Cheeto. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy Hendricks actually said, take a slice of cheese off that box lunch sandwich, man. Nobody needs two slices. <laughs> <laughs> Those, those box lunches were the uh, worst. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. Those were horrible. And two slices of cheese were it was even of, of rubberized cheese was even worse. <laughs> Rudy Jelenic had a few of them. He goes, uh, this is in quotes, Rudy, you can't be kicking Matt Kyler in the face. <laughs> or Patrick, Patrick Smith was definitely ready for that match to be over. Sorry about that. Yeah, that must have been a weak moment for me. <laughs> oh, man. There, uh, Phil, do you remember some of the ones that Ty had yesterday? Hold on, let me pull. I, oh, pull them up here. I didn't realize. I mean, I guess maybe I forget about it, but uh, I didn't realize how good of a jump rope or jump roper you were. Me? I said you were pretty much the. He called you the bet that there was not a better college wrestler, not a not a college wrestler that was better at jumping rope. <laughs> I was decent at jump roping. Yeah, I don't. I, I yeah, it was fun. I don't <laughs> think I would be the best though, but that's a nice that's a nice compliment. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, 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 Phil's the one actually asked. Uh, have you ever seen a rat on a Cheeto? Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, and this was a serious question. Who was your biggest overachiever? Someone who had no credentials coming in that who just surprised you through their career? I, I, I probably can guess this, but I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, an overachiever. Maybe, yeah, probably John Anderson. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's others, but John certainly comes to mind. Uh, for sure, because yeah, he he really didn't, and he said this before. I, I think he was on the show, just to make sure on the record what's accurate. I literally did recruit him based on his email he sent to me. Yeah, where he said he wanted to be Olympic champion. He really sent that, and I was and I was I think it was at the I can't remember where I was at when I read it. And I needed a 125 pounder, like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> he was like, he was like 112 or 19 at the time. And so, but I literally did, because I was, I, I was not sure I was going to try to get him in or not, you know, um, you know, with slots and recruiting and juggling all those things. And I was like, oh no, yeah, we're, we definitely got to go for him now. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a good, I wish I would have kept it. Maybe he has it in his scent box somewhere. <laughs> but John was a good one but we had a lot of, you know army uh wrestling is about overachievement you know it's a place where coaching matters not that coaching doesn't matter everywhere but you gotta and I told this to Kevin I told this to Joe Heskett I was like you're gonna make your living on seniors you know you're that's you gotta coach up you have to and I it told every assistant coach don't count out anyone we prioritize our time with wrestlers all the time, but don't count anyone out because you never know who's going to come through in their senior year and be the surprise. And, and at Army West Point, we, you had to, to develop talent because you just didn't get as many blue chippers that were going to just come right in. 
to do it. And so I think in addition to John, we had a 10 years worth of overachievers, you know, and that's a dedicated, that's a testament to, you know, just people's commitment to the program and to working hard and learning. And, and so being a D1 athlete is super tough, you know, so literally just spending four years and not quitting is a huge accomplishment, you know? Yeah. Especially looking back. I mean, that's one thing that, uh, Coach Ward talks about, and we've, you know, when you measure the success of classes, you know, a lot of it is like how many, how many guys, how many freshmen start out in that class, and then how many graduate and are still wrestling. And in the last two years, I mean, there's been 12 or 13 firsties, you know, that stayed on the team all four years, you know, of maybe like, you know, six, 15, 16, 17 that come in. And, you know, when I look back, you know, it was a lot, you know, and not that it's, you know, you know, any different now but i mean it's i think it's that brotherhood is maybe like a little bit more now like you have that accountability within the classes you know where they they feel like they don't want to leave because that's where all the that's where all the friends are and their closest you know the closest yeah. brothers were i think the norm was you know 18 guys come in and six or seven guys graduate you know it was kind of like the norm um before kind of like the current shift yeah coach ward seems to be doing a great job uh with that for sure and uh that uh, that is a good testament and you can have some really good teams uh if you have a good just this consecutive crops of juniors and seniors coming in there uh filling the majority of your lineup yeah you look at taylor brown this year you know as a national qualifier first year starter mm-hmm. but yeah that's another yeah I, yeah I remember i remember yeah my play year we had uh, eric miller um was was a guy that like really came on strong and had an incredible senior year and then we had justin gorkowski the year after and yeah those were you know really really just tough tough and gritty they make up a lot of those guys made up for maybe a lack of of skill and technique which is tough and great you know just being tough and gritty yeah those those, i i totally agree with that we had a lot of tough and gritty wrestlers over the years absolutely so uh, before we wrap up, though, um, kind of, you know, I didn't realize you listened to a bunch of these uh, episodes before. I was thinking that, you know, you probably you know, maybe listen to like one or two or haven't, you know, haven't heard it before. But um, who do you think we should do on the show, you know, from your era, um, you know, time from you were there that we haven't had on? Who do you think would be interesting? I, I honestly like hearing anybody that wrestled for me is always interesting, you know, so I'd hate to single out uh, any, in, any individuals because I really do enjoy hearing from all of them. And I, I, I try to stay connected. Sometimes I'll cross paths on LinkedIn with some people or Brian, you and I'll text on Instagram or I'll connect, some, see somebody on Twitter, you know, so any, any former wrestler under my regime is cool, but I, I also think it'd be neat to consider maybe like a, a Gene Palka or a Todd Messett someday, you know, um, and get and get some of their perspectives. That'd be an interesting um, perspective to kind of have on record. They've a lot of uh, some very important uh, behind the scenes roles and different things about even who, who, which coaches got hired, you know, like why did they hire them or program things or just helping wrestlers behind the scenes. And that might be interesting. So those would be my two, any former wrestler under me or three, Todd Messett and Gene Palka. <laughs> awesome. Phil, you got, you got anything else before we uh, wrap up? 
No, just thanks, Coach. Um, I'm sure, you know, uh, I, I speak for a lot of – for everyone that wrestled under you. Just, um, you know, West Point was a transformative experience for me. Um, and uh, you played a huge part in that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's uh, – it was – you know, just a great time, a great experience and a lot of life lessons that were learned. And um, I still have many dreams and that I still have a year of eligibility left. And I wish it were true. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really just one thank you just for, for being such a great coach and mentor to all of us and for taking the chance at a place like West Point and proving to everyone that we can we can win. We can we can have uh, successful wrestlers and um you know, I think you, you laid the groundwork and Kevin's doing a fantastic job. So just thank you for your leadership and uh, really great to see you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate Brian and Phil, you guys asking me to do this. And it, it is good to hear that. Uh, I'm sure not everyone had a, a great experience in the Army, um, but I had a lot of reservations about recruiting young kids into the Army, you know, um, you know, especially during a time of war. And so that weighed heavily on me a lot over the years. And so it's good to hear. I'm glad we didn't have, have any sort of uh, tragic casualties within the team, which is good. And it's good to hear for the most part, everyone had a great career or is having a great career in the army. And so that uh, brings me a lot of good relief and um, I'm happy to hear. So Brian, thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're doing a great job with this. Uh, I know you're, you always joke about your 24 listeners or something like that, you know, uh, but you're, you're doing a great service to the program and this, uh, these will go down into the archives forever. And so I think that's really great work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. And I echo all the sentiments uh, Phil said as well. I couldn't, couldn't say it better myself. Good so, deal. Appreciate Thanks. you having on and uh, you know, it was good catching up. Thanks, All Coach. Right. Take care, guys. Yep. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and as always, Go Army, be Navy.